And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Welcome to the 5-Minute Freak. I'm Chris Honeywell, and I am here with the hair metal hero, Chris Tyler. Put on the fucking glasses. And yes, this is going to be a, a historic 5-Minute Freak, or even historic in the in the whole annals of Two True Freaks. I think this is the first concert review episode uh, we've it? ever done. We've reviewed concerts, I'm sure, talked about, like seeing live music in shows at some points or another, but never a show, like, uh, about a concert. Yeah, not that I can think of. I know uh, a couple of uh, fellow podcasters, uh, some people have seen uh, John Williams live and yeah. seen some other stuff. And But, uh, yeah, I don't think there's been coverage of anything yet. So, yeah, this might be a first. Now, there's a little history on this, because last year... Well, first of all, I'm going to talk about what concert. What concert was it? <laughs> yes. We went to. We went to see John Carpenter and some John Carpenter music, but performed by John Carpenter and his band, including his son. With his son, yeah, and and probably a bunch of his son's friends. By the looks of it, I'm thinking the guitar player was probably John Carpenter's buddy because he was a little. He was a more a older. older. He was a leathered up guitar <laughs> pro. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, they might have been studio musicians, or they might just have been friends of of, of uh, John and, C- and Cody Carpenter. But you know, who knows? But um, last it, it was about a year ago, wasn't it? That they were that they were playing in New York City. Yeah, he, it seems like um, basically after doing the Ward, um, and, and this is post John Carpenter doing his two episodes of Masters of Horror before that show went belly up unfortunately uh, he's sort of just sort of focused on music uh, and the, I think he's got some comic books as well um, but yeah he's he started touring um, playing his own stuff you know why wouldn't you you get that you know 40 years worth of music built up and uh, the well, lost themes that have come out. So why I think he you? got sick of making movies. I think he got like, I'm too old to make movies. And he <laughs> was saying a lot that he was enjoying smoking pot and playing video games. That was what you'd hear from him for a while. And then really? after a while, I think he thought to himself, you know, this is, well, for, for, first off, he put out, out that album called The Lost Themes, which was yeah. just original music. In his style, so it was basically like a John Carpenter soundtrack, but maybe a little more dynamic, you know, more set up like rock songs, you know. But you could also hear, like, I I strongly urge the producers of Stranger Things, who aren't the Duffer Brothers, who who aren't listening right now. Why not grab they've, they've grabbed some Tangerine Dream music from the past, you know, some classic Tangerine Dream music. Why not gra- why not you know get, get get John Carpenter a little moolah and grab some of those lost themes for <laughs> Stranger Things. It would sound great. They I'm yes, they 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 would fit would. they would fit right in. They're already, you yeah. know, tailoring the music to that style. And I think, like, he made that album and, and did the tour to support it and was probably like, ah, we'll do a few cities. And you and I were thinking of going to New York City, but there was just no way with money and time. And yeah, it was, was, at it the was Sony, right it was after a trip to Dario's, too. So Yeah, it would have been way too hard because uh, Chris is in upstate New York and this Chris, me, is uh, in Boston. So um we probably could have made it work but it, it would have been real difficult it would have been a little expensive too i i, I think it yeah. was pretty expensive for those tickets too 
Yeah, yeah, those ones were for for some reason. I think Be they stopped. Because they he probably just... only did a few shows. He probably only did like New York, probably LA, um, you know, and a few Chicago. You know, he probably did just a few places and and was like, yeah, we'll see how I'll do this. He'll promote my album too, you know, and I probably have enough fans to come out. And he probably did really well because they're back, and they're yeah. play and they're playing like more places. So it was, yeah, and it's a uh, it's the. The, the tour is actually for it's a John Carpenter anthology 74 to 98 is what the you know they, they, they put out an album to cover those themes so it goes from um, Dark Star up through um, uh, it doesn't quite go up to um, Ghost of Mars um, but you know right before that so uh, basically he's doing a tour for his greatest hits <laughs> yeah, a, a greatest hits tour, and and the and the and they're not and they didn't just grab the songs off the soundtracks. He re-recorded them re-recorded with his band, them, yeah. and so they're re they're very crisp and sort of punched up. They're not punched up as in like the performance of it, but the recording of them. It's clean. It's the very clean. Recording technology's come a long way, and now John Carpenter can have it just sitting in his in his living room, you know. I bet you they're out in his garage making this stuff, you know. <laughs> it's possible, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, unfortunately, it would have been great if we could have gone to see the concert together. Yeah, there really wasn't a place close enough in the middle. Mm-hmm. Either I would have had to go to upstate New York, or Chris would have had to come to Boston, and uh, it would have been uh, it would have been difficult. But we did the next best thing. Well, yeah, I I, I mean, I, the they played in Syracuse here, which is an hour and a half away. If the weather's bad, you know, or the traffic's bad. So we got there in like 70 minutes or whatever. So it was just a quick little little trip over. Interesting. Yeah. Pla- I think our show was the last one of the tour. It yours, was like yes, four days was. after yours. Or uh, I saw him on the 15th of and I saw him on the 17th. November. And I think yours was the 19th. The 19th? 19th. Okay. November 19th in uh, Syracuse. Yeah. So four days apart. So within the same week. Uh, yeah. So we did the next best thing. We saw we saw him at our respective venues closest and, to our hometowns. And I gotta say, well, well, my venue was, and I I used to, Syracuse is sort of the midpoint of where I grew up and where I live now, and Syracuse was the closest like large, semi large large city to us, and so I'm fairly familiar with Syracuse, or at least I was, you know, twenty years ago. <laughs> and I'd never heard of this theater, and it, and when we looked at the tickets, it looked like you know, a, you and usually in Syracuse, someone like John Carpenter would play this place called the Landmark Theater, which is a classic old theater with curtains. You know, it was a movie house, slat, but it could have plays, and it has an orchestra pit and all that. Mm. Where I saw that's where I saw Julian Lennon with Pete Hesh. <laughs> Julian. Yep, so it has some memories in that place. So I figured it would be there, but it was at this place called the Palace Theater. And the Palace Theater had the marquee. Only half the lights were lit <laughs> on it. And the the like the the facade of the building behind it looked it was like it looked like the facade of a Skid Row bar is all I could say. It had the <laughs> The, like, tar paper, you know, the old gray, discolored by auto exhaust, you know. And and so I was like, what is... And just just in this, like, rectangular building, so it's like, okay, so this is just, like, this place, a bar that got a marquee. But no, it was a full theater that was beat to... It wasn't totally beat to shit, but you could tell... There's been rock bands playing there for a long time, <laughs> yeah. uh, and uh, yeah. so so it was it was a great and it it was I mean that's I I thought that was a perfect ambiance to see John Carpenter unless the place was like gothic you know like the church from um, <laughs> Prince of Darkness Prince of Darkness yeah that would have been uh, something like that would have been ideal but it was it was pretty close it was pretty cool. I saw him at the Royale Nightclub in downtown Boston. Uh, it was originally... Oh, God, what was the name of the place originally? I think it was originally the Roxy. 
um, or the Paradise. I can't remember. That's how long it's been since you know I've been in town. To Luke would have loved it if it was a Paradise. When, yeah. So. <laughs> um, yeah, but the original venue has had uh, a lot of trouble over the years with the uh, violence and stuff, unfortunately. Um, and you'd never see this place. You would drive right past it because there is no marquee. It's in the middle of a brownstone opposite the Tufts Medical Center parking garage mm-hmm. and next to a hotel. Um, yeah, it's not the kind it's... of place people are just going to walk by and be like, hey, let's go ke- check a show out here. No, no, you wouldn't. Um, a lot of DJ acts there, uh, a lot of indie bands. Um, like let, the the next three events are Ilenium, Mogwai, and uh, Sofa King Fridays with Paul Oakenfold. So yeah, I mean, it tells yeah. you the <laughs> there you go. Um, and it's uh it's kind of whipped to shit as well. It's really dark. There's no seating whatsoever. Uh, the bar is way too big in the middle of the back of the club to even make it hospitable towards really anything. So uh, it was a. It, it wasn't nuts to butts when I went in there, um, but it was pretty full. And, and Maureen, had, my fiance Maureen, had come. Uh, she got me the tickets for my birthday, and um, she's a big, uh, uh, big Trouble in Little China fan. That's really the only Carpenter movie she likes. But uh, she got me the tickets, and she came from work, so she was, you know, in slacks and a, and a blouse and you know, like riding boots. And I'm like, oh, you're so way overdressed. And she's like, but it, we're going to a show, right? It's like it's like at a theater. I'm like, no, 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 no. This is gonna be a bunch of dudes that look like me, wearing black hoodies and jeans and boots, a bunch of sweaties like me. Yep. <laughs> and she's like, I don't think so. And I'm like, just wait. And then we got in line, and it was exactly as I described. <laughs> So, <laughs> I was saying I was joking. Well, my uh, the the reason I got these tickets is basically because of sheer jealousy of you, because we were talking about Ooh. it, and then you're like, ah, I, I want to go. I don't know anybody would want to go. Then like two days later, you're like, I got tickets. Blah blah blah. Maureen got me, and I'm like, oh, you bastard. Well, she she's like, I never know what to get you for your birthday because I don't know how to buy clothes for you because all you ever wear is hooded sweatshirts and jeans. I'm like, yeah, so. Uh, <laughs> so and she's like, is there anything you really want? I was like, well, I want to go see John Carpenter, but I don't think anybody wants to go with me, but I'll go by myself if I ask. She's like, no, I'll go with you. I'm like, okay. That was the thing so. is I needed, I needed to drive for an hour and a half to get there, so I needed somebody like... McGregor was interested enough, but logistics were not, he was not gonna, you know, it was, it would have been just expensive out of nowhere. Uh, my roommate, yeah. my housemate would have been totally into it, but she was, she was off on her job. So uh-huh. I, I like, was, I had just discounted it, and then inside me, you know, the jealousy just grew and burned and chewed <laughs> at me. <laughs> and I was sitting at work and I was like, you know what, when I get home from work, I'm just gonna see if there's anybody who'd be interested in going. I'll, you know, I'll pay for all the gas and tolls and all that. So I just, I put up a, a post on Facebook, thinking, well, nobody'll say anything to that because usually when I solicit anything from my local friends, I don't get much of a reply because I have a <laughs> lot of local friends on my Facebook. It's it, it's better not to have your local friends on the Facebook. <laughs> your your real life friends. Right, right. And boom, within five minutes somebody that I knew was really cool that I've actually been on like music related road trips before was like I'll be your Huckleberry and I'm like yes and he's one of those guys who's on the computer with a credit card you know and as as soon as he heard about it he was already scoping out seats and he's like well we can get seats here and boom within like 20 minutes of IMing the tickets are secured and the date is set, and I was just like, "Oh my God, it's gonna yeah. happen!" Yeah, I'm not basically not like it's gonna happen. I'm going to see John Carpenter, but it's going to happen. I'm not gonna fucking be kicking myself in the ass for the next ten years that yeah, listening to Hero talk about the show. Well, that that's I basically gone to. yeah. I mean, it's basically I, why I wanted to jump on it too. Um, I mean, he's one of my favorite directors um if you've listened to the vault and that's how the vault got started then you'd know that yeah i I wasn't gonna let this opportunity pass me by because he's i mean he's not he's not a spring chicken i mean he's he's almost 70 um and the fact that he's out just touring and doing music with a full band 
you know, and his and his son is part of the band. Well, that's, and, and that's like, th- how can I say no? Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, you know, I mean, there's opportunities to see him at say, you know, a conve- he does conventions every once in a while, and we'll talk about his movies a little bit, and that would be cool because. I'm, I'm, you know, as if you listen to the horror vault, I'm from the same hometown as him, and he was like a hometown hero to all the the sick and twisted kids who liked Halloween, and it was just like a cult figure in our town, and uh, so I've and I've always just loved his movies too. That's the thing is, it's like he's from our hometown, and his movies are great, but this. This is like something special because you see him in an actual creative capacity. Yeah, he's on there pre- presenting his his work, like not even just showing a movie. Although he was sort of doing that too, since there was yeah. filmed presentations with all the songs. Yeah, and so it's just sort of a unique thing, you know. You rarely see a filmmaker who's also their their own composer, and maybe he got inspired a little because Goblin did a tour and he thought maybe if Goblin can do it I could do it I don't care John Williams has been doing it and the music of Star Wars and Howard Shore did that presentation for Lord of the Lord of the Rings symphony so it's and this just has that extra layer of there's John Carpenter and um and John Carpenter is kind of like I don't want to say a He's not a boring filmmaker, but he as a he's just sort of a guy. You know, he's a very down-to-earth guy. Yeah. But he is also aware of his reputation and stuff as like when you if you watch Body Bags when he's basically playing the crypt keep, keeper. <laughs> yeah. He he under, you know, he knows, you know. Well, so, yeah, I mean, he said that about himself. He's like, in America I'm a bum and in Europe I'm an auteur. Right, right. <laughs> like <laughs> And and the thing about it though is that concert was and I was joking to my ride. I'm like, oh, that's how I got to my ride. I was joking to him on the way in. I'm like, all right, man, this is this is going to be a real sausage party of a concert. That's all I'm I'm predicting. And I was totally wrong. There were a lot of a lot of couples, couples with kids, women on their own, uh, all ages, and the, the you know as as. You know, it's not a Rolling Stones concert, so well, be- no, no. super well-behaved crowd. Yes. You know, and just just generally, you know, a, pre- a super appreciative crowd. Yeah. And it, it was, was weird vibe. to be in a room with people who like know their horror. Like, you know, you're in a room full of horror fans, and it was really cool. And uh, and horror fans, I'm just gonna say right now, are a little more well-adjusted, uh, uh, despite what people think. I think they're a little more well-adjusted than normal people, <laughs> and actually yeah. a little less rowdy and, uh, and yeah, surprisingly and rude. so. So it was a very polite. It was a very polite audience, but it was a very once the music once John Carpenter came out, people were like, Hooting people were pumped. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was like that at my show too. It was a lot of couples, and I think it was a lot of guys bringing their bringing their significant others along. Um, and and there were definitely a lot of lot of women there that were they were probably horror hounds, um, but it was yeah there was a lot of all ages. I saw a lot of. Uh, I mean, I'm 38. Chris is not about just about 10 years older than me. But there was I saw people. I mean, it, it went from the f- people in their 50s down to, you know, yeah there was. Um, I think I think it was a 21 plus show at, at my venue. So. Unfortunately, no kids, but um, I mean, it spanned it spanned the range, um, you know. And it, it was the the older guys that were there. They tried to find some seats in the corner. They couldn't quite see the sh- see the show, but you know, whatever. They were there for the music, and they were buying the the anthology on vinyl. And um, it was just it was a very different crowd than what you would actually expect. I mean, the, you know, it, when you see an indie show at a, at a club like that, I don't know how many of you guys out there have been to one. Usually the merch booth is is mobbed and it's and it's crazy. Um, but for this show, people were like, "Oh, are you in line? Are you in line? Is this the end of the line?" Like people were not being pushy at all. It was it was uh, it was actually a really nice experience. Yeah, it was the same with us. Although I I went there with a mission. I I had a pocket full of money because I was sent on a mission by Jonathan Kreitz. 
Oh, he did message you? Okay, good. Yeah, yeah, he was, uh, I was gonna try and get the colored vinyl of Anthology for him. Okay. By the time this, by the time we were in the tour there, the only two, the, the vinyl they had, they had, uh, vinyl of, um, The Lost Themes, and vinyl of, um, Assault on Precinct 13. Ah. And that was it. Th- those were the two, re- those were the two records that they had. That must be what they had left. I mean, it's possible. I mean, vinyl pressings, especially for something as niche as that, are probably not going to be massive. And I know the tour edition of the anthology <sighs> album had a, an see, extra two tracks on it or something. See, that's the thing, though. It's like, if I was a John Car- and I'm, I am a John Carpenter fan, having a copy of Assault on Precinct 13 is a, is a lot better than, say, having a copy of Halloween or... Or, or, yeah. or his newest album, or something, because it's just it's it's just that it's a niche thing. So it's 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 a rarity, and it's something you just don't see around. But also, it's an awesome yeah, soundtrack. Yeah, without tracking down the originals, which I'm sure go for oh, oodles, oodles, oodles of money. If they even exist, they, they yeah. must. Yeah, I was a little disappointed too. I got up to the merch booth, and I was kind of scoping out what he uh, had online, and there was a really nice um, uh, front and back. Um, hoodie, you know, images on front and back, and it was They Live. And uh, unfortunately, they didn't have that. And then the. <laughs> so I was going to get the. Um, yeah, the there were thing. no hoodies by the time. Oh, oh, yeah. So the only one they had when I saw them four days before was they had one for the thing. And I'm like, you got any of those in 2X? He's like, sorry, man. We're only down to small, medium, and large. I was like, god damn it. So. But, you know, I, I don't feel too bad. I ended up getting the tour t-shirt, so, you know, that's kind of a one-of-a-kind thing in and of itself, so. I wanted to get, uh, say I had to get my second choice in t-shirt, too, because I wanted to get just the, it was an Escape from New York Nart shirt, but it was just the Statue of Liberty with an eye patch on, and it was just a white outline. And, nice. Uh, and I, I like that. I li- I'm, I'm, I'm like, that's a Dario Gonzalez shirt. It doesn't have any words on it or something. It's just an image. That, and it doesn't even have Kurt Russell on it. It just is no. like New York, eye patch, escape from you New York. It. And yeah. they did not have my size in that, just like you. So I had to get, I got the orange. It's like the orange 80s, 70s color escape from New York style it, it it's almost got an iron-on look to it but it's not nice. it's a silk screen and it's you know got kurt russell in all like orange fire colors and then the twin towers behind him and then I, i'm like oh yeah that's right he landed on the twin towers e yeah well it takes place <laughs> in an alternate timeline must be <laughs> yeah the alternate uh 1990 94 right yeah exactly <laughs> so which, yeah. when they played that theme, the yeah. first thing that popped up was 1994. Yeah. <laughs> Which was yeah. the the opener, and that's one of my favorites of his compositions, too. I hated it when it first came out when I was a kid. Really? Yeah, it sounded like... I didn't like electronic... Like, anything like Goblin and stuff like that. Like, the closest... I, you know, I, I like the music for. I always thought like the music for like Dawn of the Dead was one of the only things that I didn't like about them. I was ah, the music's a little cheesy, but I like the, I love the movie, and I didn't like sort of rock or electronic-based soundtrack music. It always sounded really cheesy to me, and that's because I was young and dumb as a rock. And now, now I know the awesomeness of it, you know, and Escape from... Everything that I disliked about the Escape from New York theme is what I like about it now. It's like, I, right. I, as a Star Wars fan, and I listen to, like, the Star Wars soundtrack and stuff, and everybody would try... would do anthemic, you know, an anthemic theme for their, you know, the Battlestar... It was all sort of takes off Star Wars, and then... Escape. When I saw Escape from New York, it was like, oh, they didn't have a budget, so he had to do it all. Uh, it's, you know, this would be like an uh, anthemic Star Wars ripoff, except they can only afford synthesizers, and it sounds like a video game. It's kind of <laughs> cheesy and tinny, and uh, I'm an idiot. I was an idiot. Because <laughs> it's, it's, it's awesome. I mean, yeah, the crowd went wild. 
And the crowd yeah. went wild. Did you see the video I sent you of the whole sh of somebody taping the show you were at? Yeah. That's like the whale guy. <laughs> yeah. It's Assault on Precinct 13. Yeah. Oh my god, this is so cool. Hey, everybody. <laughs> well, by, by the end of the show, I because I kind of peeked at what I was going to... I didn't peek at the set list until we were there because I wanted to see if there were any surprises, which there were a few, and I'm sure we'll get into it. Um, but I wanted to know what the last couple of tracks were going to be because, you know, just trying to get out of the pack and while we were in and everything. It was right, right. be a pain in the ass. Um but uh, so for, like the last, for, so for the encore, I was hanging out at the back of the theater, and I was next to this guy who was um, with his with his girlfriend. Um, it was interesting because it was probably the only African American guy in the show, <laughs> and he was like, "Oh man, oh what body bags? Do all this need for body bags?" Like this guy was freaking out. He was so happy, right? <laughs> so it's like it was just a hoot, man. Like I don't think, it, and, and you know, we had the, there was the same general reaction at our place. I, people were just like tickled pink that he was actually gonna go to body bags. Got one of the biggest reactions of the night. Maybe it was because it was Carpenter mugging it up too in his crypt yeah. keeper scenes. Yeah, well, it's also it's it's a it's a rock and roller too. I mean, it's not when you like you could play that for somebody and they wouldn't know it was Carpenter, right? Right, right. Uh, but then, because then he also did, um, he did the the Spanish uh, guitar theme from Vampires, Santiago, and uh, the guy next to me that I was talking to, he's like, oh man, I haven't seen that one I'm like, yet, yeah, I'm like, you need to watch that one, yeah. it's really underrated. Yeah. So, so it was, uh, it was cool. Um, yeah, I, um, I... I, I, I did after I, of course after the show I was like oh I'll go watch video that people took of the shows I was watching videos people took of other shows and uh, during the show you know I mean they they all come out they're all just wearing like black t-shirts all black, <laughs> black yeah. pants and he's wearing black t-shirt black pants and then just like uh, just a general like stoner button up shirt black yeah. over it to, to to look a little different than the other people but like it's it's real center on, on his keyboard you can't miss him yeah and, and it's and it's such a you know with for for rocket you know rock and roll or a band you know when you do a presentation you know the band's gonna rock out or something i mean immediately you know this is not a band that's gonna rock out they're gonna stand there and perform the music and there's a screen behind him so you know and 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 I know he was putting music up or, or going to put movies up and stuff like that from first year of film school I learned if you put anything up that's edited and then you play music with a with a beat it's going to more or less look like it goes along with it yeah so so you can like put up imagery from movies and play the music under it and it's going to sound great and uh or it's it's gonna look great, you know. It's gonna go together great for the most part, probably. Yeah, but I don't think that's what happened here. I think he cut. I think he yeah knew how long we, we, we about halfway through the show. He started, he, you know, he would he would have a few lines in between songs, and you know, I'm John Carpenter and blah blah blah, and some of them were little gag lines. Yeah, slightly gag lines, and then he would turn like he had he had a music stand in front of him with a notebook in it, and he would turn the page, and uh, Brain, my ride, turns to me and he goes, "You know, I don't think he has music on there. I think it's his lines <laughs> it for might the, have been. <laughs> for in between the show." And then we'd notice he'd flip the page, and then he'd be like, "Hey, you know, <laughs> drive careful tonight." And uh, I'm like, son of a bitch! He's reading those lines off the the piece of paper, and yeah. and and uh, actually, Brain and I had been in a band together, but we've both been in bands. We were both in a band together for a brief moment in time, and that's that's just mind blowing because usually you have music or notes for your music or some you know a crib sheet or something in case you have a complicated part or something and with his you would probably have real sheet music in front of you 
and all the lines in front, you would just uh, in between, you'd be like, "Hey, you know, I want to inter- you know, introduce a band, and you know all the band's names, and you could say, "Hey, make a little joke about them or whatever." But no, this was was scripted, and then in the car afterwards, we're like, "Well, of course, he's a director. <laughs> he directed." We- we were just in a John Carpenter production. You know, we just witnessed a live <laughs> John Carpenter production, basically, because he he was like, you know, after this, we, you say this line, and I, and I I would bet bottom dollar that he sat down on his laptop and pulled up the Blu-rays, pulled out the Blu-rays of all his movies, and just said, okay, I'm gonna edit this and got a little click track for the drummer and said, what are the exact lengths of these songs? Okay, put them down on his computer and then cut them to, cut them to the music. Because yeah, he had characters is. popping up at certain times and they, they, were, they were edited in a way that wasn't... It was aware of what people loved about the movies... Yeah. But it was also like maybe not the not all the not the scenes and the things you would expect you know that are the most iconic about the movie. Yeah. Sometimes they were. I mean, there was a lot of stuff that was. You you ha- I mean, actually, just seeing stuff from the movie is like that. But I I think yeah. he did those. I think he had this whole show so scripted, and oh, normally yeah. that would be annoying to me. But in this instant, in this context, it's, it's like a, it perfect. was a performance. It's perfect. It's, That's what a yeah. film. How often you don't, you know, this guy isn't. He didn't used to be in. Well, I'm sure maybe he's probably played with his friends in bands and stuff. Yeah, the but, Coupe de Ville's. But like, he's never like been like oh, John Carpenter going on the road. So this is like his grand grandpa's hurrah getting to go on his rock tour. And yeah. and and he put to, and it's he's a filmmaker, you know, and uh, it, it would be probably similarly interesting. I don't remember the name of the band, but the one with all the horror, right? It's Stephen King's in it, and I think Anne Rice is in it. Oh, and, I can't remember it either. But but that you know, there's a it's all horror writers, and I'd love to see their you know, how writers put on a show, probably more like musicians, as opposed to a director, where it was very scripted and, uh, I'll accept, well, less scripted, because there were a couple points where he was playing songs from, from the Lost, um, what was it? Lost Themes. Yeah, he did, uh, yeah, he played Vortex, Mystery, and Wraith from Lost Themes 1 and 2. Um, at both shows, um, and those were all pretty, pretty rocking tracks. Um, yeah, and no, no, no video for them. Just you know, just very basic colors and yeah, yeah, very like screen set, like a screensaver projected on the on the back, which ELO sort of did too. I think they're designing those for bands now, so you don't have to do massive. You can do a lot of things that you would do with massive light arrays and explosives. Yeah. With the screen and, and save a lot of time, money, and potential melted arms. So yeah, oh yeah. yeah so it, but it was just a very like basic sort of thing. But I really enjoyed those songs because yeah, I did too. It, it, that was like that was where they got to be like, all right, we're a band. Here's the stuff we worked on together. You know, we or you know, John Carpenter probably wrote it, but people, other people probably had input into it, and they all learned it together, probably. And it doesn't have to be timed to a video, and they could just sort of rock it out. And it's not like they were like, oh, let's do an improvisational jams here, or let's extend this out. It was pretty much right off the album, but. You could tell that there was a little more energy, like enthusiasm in the playing, you know, because everybody, yeah. everybody was, and and it's also something that the well, the audience, a good chunk of the audience is probably actually pretty familiar with it, but not in the same way that the iconic title, you know, movie themes, you know, are are embedded in people's minds. But I thought th- I thought those were really good parts of the shows. Unfortunately, except for the people like you know, 
Um, it's Assault on Precinct 13 guy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> for the most part, people like uh, tons of this is on YouTube, but it's all the movie stuff, you know. Nobody was just like, oh, I'll get the lost theme on my phone either. They, it, a lot of it's They Live was seems to be the number one. That's the one I filmed because Gardner was like, you think they're going to do They Live? And I'm like, oh, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So, so yeah, I'm like, I'm going to get that one. I only have limited space on my, my camera to film video. So I was like, I'll get that and one other one. Yeah, I don't have the steadiest hand and I was not going to hold my... <laughs> yeah. My... my, my uh, smartphone up for you know seven minutes and try to capture it all. I got the beginning of um, yeah. There's Christine. people who do the whole show like that. I just can't. Or holding up your friggin' iPad, it's like I can understand wanting to get a little bit of it. And I, I got the beginning of Christine, uh, most of Christine, because um, I mean it's the it was the encore song. And as a big fan of Stranger Things, if you listen to uh, Christine Attacks, uh, there's a lot. The, the 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 composers from Stranger Things I must have really liked that track because the slow part of that song is very much uh, like a lot of the incidental music in Stranger Things so um, I grabbed uh, some of that yeah yeah well I, I just it's just not one case... of those concerts that I'm like oh I want to hear the 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 recording of it because I know. That I'll, I'll I'll go listen to the album <laughs> you know. And yeah. uh, there, there were like, what's funny is the 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 audience reactions were almost exactly the same from show to show. The the crowd is so like into the and like like when Harry Dean Stanton showed up. When you see Harry yeah. Dean Stanton's character, the people go nuts. Yeah, and same with Adrian Barbeau. And so, well, Adrian Barbeau too. There was that yeah. was, but there was a different feel to that go nuts. Yeah, and then before they do, uh, they live. You know, everything stops. They go yes. black for a second. Then the lights come back on, and the whole band puts on the sunglasses before they start playing. It's just like, yeah, it's it's just it was just a blast. <laughs> you know, like you know it's coming. <laughs> just to, all right, and I think just for, just for the people at home, if you're curious, if you want to try to replicate the show that we saw, I'll I'll run through the set list because it was the same for both Chris and I. Yeah. Uh, he and, opened and, and everybody all across the country, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> so opened with Escape from New York, the main title, and uh, went right into Assault on Precinct 13's main title. Big, big, big reaction on yep. the little girl getting shot. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Village of the Damned, March of the Children, um, which I was not expecting that one. Um, and that one sounded better live than it does in the movie. It was, yes. Uh, Oh, I was woof. The, yeah, the, I was, the 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 editing on the the film clip for vi- the Village of the Dam clip was, was very good. It 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 made me want to watch the mo- it made me want to yeah. watch the movie again. I'm like, this movie seems a lot more exciting and vicious than I remember it. it it's I really I do like that remake of Village of the Dam. It's I not really bad. Uh, it's not bad, but I mean, it looked fantastic. For, yes. W- if you, if you'd never seen it, you'd be like, "Whoa, my God!" I need to, I need to get this movie right yeah. now. Yeah. Um, okay, and then uh, to a lot of people, their favorite, uh, the main theme from The Fog. It's not my favorite. It's uh, it's good. It's a little maybe a little too gothic. Um, well, that's I, what I liked about point. it. I like having the pipe organy sound to it in there. Um, then we go into a couple of lost tra- uh, lost themes, Vortex and Mystery. Uh, then uh, They Live, Coming to L.A. And uh, the other big surprise for me uh, was um, the cover of Jack Nitch's uh, Starman Leaves theme from Starman. Uh, I honestly didn't expect that because Carpenter didn't write that or originally record it. Right, uh, but it's a, a the soundtrack in Starman is is wonderful, um, and that movie is incredibly underrated. That's the uh, that's the other one that Scott Gardner was like. You think they'll? Do, he's like, oh, you're going to see John Carpenter. I I really like the soundtrack to They Live and uh, Starman, and I was like, I don't know if they're going to do Starman, and uh, they did. So that was my second video clip. They did, and just... he and he credited and he did he did credit uh, Jack Nitchie, um 
you know, as being the, the composer of that. And, Who's uh, a it's, really uh, good... He's somebody that people really don't... I don't think they appreciate him as much because he's like a com- super chameleon. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, uh, one of his other soundtracks that I'm really a fan of is... Uh, um, well, it was based on a Ken Kesey novel called Sometimes a Great Notion, and the movie was Sometimes... Sometimes it was Sometimes a Great Notion... And sometimes it's titled under Never Give an Inch. And that's like very like country music with harmonicas, you know, you know, very like laid back, you know, completely different. And Starman is like almost like Vangelis like, you know, it is almost like Vangelis or Tangerine Dream. Tangerine Dream. Yes. It's very, very mid eighty, early '80s synthwave, uh, bright and poppy feeling to it. And it's a, it's a wonderful theme, and it's in a really, really underrated movie. Um, and from that, he goes right into his other cover, uh, which is Ennio Morricone's uh, main theme from The Thing. That uh, I thought he I was gonna can... do. I was pretty I... sure he was gonna do that. He would have had to have done that. It's one of his biggest yeah. movies, r- critically. And the, uh, and after, and Morricone's well, Starman isn't that after different either. This live, I'm even more convinced that he gave he's giving Morricone the credit. I'm pretty damn sure that Carpenter wrote that piece. Uh-huh. It, it could I, very well be. I I I think he didn't want because he yes he did want Morricone to do the score to the thing, and Morricone is credited as the composer. But I think whatever Morricone wrote got threw out with, um, you know, Carpenter's probably got it sitting somewhere. But I think every, every music that you remember from the thing, I think Carpenter wrote. And he just doesn't, he wants to give the credit to Morricone, which is fine. Or, or um, it might have been a union, composer's union type of thing where, you know, who knows? Who knows in that business why? Yeah. Yeah, because I mean the the music in the thing is unlike anything, anything Morricone has done. Right. Really, it's so different. And I'm sure Morricone could do something like that, but I just don't think that was the wheelhouse that he was still. That Morricone's he was gone all over the place in style, anyway. But there's always there's something very Italian about him, <laughs> about his music. Yeah, you can kind of tell. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, another lost uh, theme, "Distant Dream," followed that. Um, and then we rolled into uh, Pork Chop Express from Big Trouble in Little China. Another audience favorite. Oh, that's the one Maureen went bananas for. Because, uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, and uh, his last lost theme of the night was Wraith. Uh, that was a good one, too. And uh, Halloween, he did the main theme next. Of How Could You Not, right? Uh, and then In the Mouth of Madness, the main theme from that, which that also sounded even better live than it does in the film. That's a real, that's a straight up rock and roller. Yeah, and that um, one was, that one, the video was really nicely edited yeah. for that. Nice. And it yeah. had the part in it that I really wanted to see too, where the, where the, you know, Lovecraftian beasts get loosed at the end but you just get those little glimpses Glimpse, of them yeah. running down that hallway yeah I love that so, uh, so that was um, that was the last song before the encore break um, and uh, if you've been to any show in the last 20 years you know that the encore break doesn't last anything but like a minute now because you know most places have blue laws and you've got to be out of the venue by a certain time I figured it was going to be five minutes long enough for John Carpenter to huff down a cigarette I don't even think it was five minutes. No. It was was like a minute and and a half top. Uh, So the encore, another big surprise, was Body Bags, like we talked about earlier, uh, which, again, is that's a straight-up eight-bar blues rock and roll, twangly, twangly guitar and not a ton of synth. Um, And that was just just a hoot because the editing on that video montage behind it was was great uh, as well. That um, movie and, does have a lot of things going on in it, action, you know. Well, yeah, it's an anthology, too, so um, it yes. makes it a little bit easier to pull different things out of. Um, and then, uh, really, what surprised me was uh, um, he also did Santiago from Vampires, which 
uh, truly did not expect that at all. I, I didn't. I honestly really didn't expect to see anything from um, from any of the late '90s stuff, honestly. Um, and uh, that was nice because it's such a it's such a different piece than even. That's probably why it got picked, you know. It's, yeah, it's, any of the other stuff. And it's short. It's only like a minute and a half, two minutes long, and it's you know. It is a nice piece of music. If you would play, if you played that for somebody, it's another one of those things that they wouldn't, you wouldn't immediately recognize it as uh, a Carpenter piece. Yes. Um, and uh, before the final song of the night, he did do uh, "Darkness Begins" from Prince of Darkness, which live was unbelievable because then the montage behind him on that was great too, and that one just yeah, worked. Yeah, that the, the, that one I think was actually at our show the audience favorite like when the, when he began that song and you saw the stuff of, I think I think Prince of Darkness is one of those movies that just got like trashed when it came out and I think John Carpenter fans are just like give it extra love you know oh, I give it extra love it's, yeah I told I told Maureen it's one of the it's one of the like three or four movies I will not watch alone in the dark because of how it gets under my skin, it actually uh, gets scary. It gets scarier every time you watch it. You know, it gets yeah, creepier out, every time you watch it. You pick out more stuff from it, and um, yeah. And then he did finish out the night by uh, telling us all to be very safe driving home because Christine is out there. Uh, and yeah, <laughs> Christine we we thought it was an actual weather thing. warning because there was rate of sleet and snow oh, predicted after oh, our. Oh, nice! Oh, <laughs> I have, great. I have a, I, I, I have a uh, creepy story to go at the end of oh, of this. All right. So, of course, since we navigated there, how does everybody navigate nowadays? Is by GPS. you know GPS. So our GPS did that GPS thing where it was like, we're turning down a lot of weird streets and stuff. But it got us there really quickly. And then when we looked at, pulled the map back, we were like, oh, that actually was the fastest route. So we get out and we, and so he sets, he sets his GPS and it's on his brand new phone. It's like, he's just started using this GPS. So, you know, he did the like, okay, return to origin point. And it starts taking us towards the toll toll road that we took up, and we're ha- we're getting close to the toll road, and all of a sudden it's it's got us sort of shying off it and go go going away from it, and and uh, we're like, oh, what's up with that? And we're, and he's like, well, this also factors traffic or accident, you know, accidents or or you know stoppages and stuff so maybe there's like an accident or something and we're gonna and we were sort of going parallel to the to the thruway but then we started going south when we should have been going north a little bit you know but we're still going west and we're supposed to go west so we're like okay well we'll see how this goes and then it goes arriving in your destination in 14 minutes and we're like well that's impossible Uh uh-oh Unless we're going through some sort of weird, you know, time-space distortion. And so we're like, so he pulls up his phone and he goes, well, there's the end point and it's in this town called uh, Skinny Atlas. (coughs) And uh, so he's like, well, what do you think we should do? And he's like, and, and I'm like... Well, Skinny Atlas is just like it's gonna take us like ten minutes out of our way. Let's 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 see what this is doing. Let's let's go with this and, and if it starts to go too astray and, and then I'm like we'll we'll figure it out when we get to Skinny Atlas. So we're about like five minutes away from there and uh, he says, You know, if this leads us to a bar, we gotta go in and have a drink, right? And I'm like, Yeah, definitely. And you know, you know me. I'm not a bar guy. I'm not a drinking yeah. guy. But it's like, okay, if if the GPS take just drops us off at a random bar, okay, I'll I'll I'll, I'll uh, go along with that. And it doesn't. It's it stops us on Main Street of Skinny Atlas. So we stop, and he's like punching in on the phone. And I look at the building that we're stopped at to see where we're at. Okay. And I'm like, okay, what's this building? And he looks at it. He goes. Oh, that's the Masonic Temple. 
And I'm like looking at the sign. I'm like, it is a Masonic temple. And I'm like, he's like, oh, I've been here. And I'm like, oh, so your GPS took you here? He's like, no, I was here when I was 10 years old. And I'm like, why were you at the Masonic temple when you were 10 years old? And he's like, oh, we were just taking a a tour of it. And I'm like, did your family tour Masonic temples? And he's like, oh, no, no, I told you this. My dad was the head mason for New York State. And I'm like, no, you never told me that. (laughs) That's fascinating. And I'm like, I'd really like to talk to your dad. And he's like, well, you can't because he's been dead for 16 years. So I was telling my housemate about that. And she's like, yeah, you were probably going to get in a car crash. And and his his dad directed you to the nearest Masonic temple from beyond the grave. Oh, Jesus Christ. Just to sidetrack you off the thruway for a little bit. That is freaky. Oh, man. Okay. All right. I only had one other anecdote from my, my <laughs> night. Some drunk guy hit on Maureen while I was watching the show and she was taking a break. <laughs> uh, yeah. Your story's better. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot all about it till we just till just now, and I was just like, oh, that's right. We did actually have a, a spooky anecdote well all i gotta say is i have a feeling this won't be this wasn't like a farewell tour or something i it looked like um they were doing pretty well you know there were there were a lot of people at our show and i have a feeling you'll probably see i'll bet you he puts out another album and does another tour and uh i would highly recommend it to anybody who likes his movies or his Especially the music to his movies, but even if you like the movies, it's still really neat to see the filmmaker in front of projected images of his movies while he plays the music. It's really neat. Yeah, and he just thought he was the king shit rock and roller of the world too. Mm-hmm. Like he, he, you could tell he was having a blast. And yeah, I, he, I mean, he came out and it was, "Hi, I'm John Carpenter, and we're here to play the themes from my movies." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, and yeah, and. uh if we would have, if I would have had the big money to fork out, it was 150 for those tickets. You got the backstage meet and greet, and you got like a T-shirt, a poster, autographs, you know that sort of stuff, and yeah, and sw- like all, also a big, big old swag bag. And then you got to go hang out with him backstage. But I did. I, that would have been one of the. I'm usually like sneer at things like that, but I would have actually, if I would have had the money to just. To just toss around for that, I think that would it would have been worth it for the swag alone. Yeah, probably. It was. I added it up. Okay. And and you got and all the swag was autographed, and you could bring two things to get autographed, or whatever. You know, whatever. You got autographed records and clothes and posters and and stuff. But I would have loved to have been just like, hey, Carthage, New York. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, hey, do you mind doing this opening bit for our horror show that we started because of you? <laughs> <laughs> eh, well, maybe he'll tour Maybe he'll tour again, or maybe he'll come to a show that we can, uh... Well, if, it ever, if I ever see that he's putting out another record, I'll know to save up the, start saving up the money, you know? <laughs> yeah, I don't think I'll be able to drag Maureen again. It was a, a very thoughtful birthday present from her, but uh, I will be going probably by myself. Well, Actually, that's, a, you know that's the thing. It's, it's one of those things. I, I'm getting old, and, and <laughs> you know, yeah. I like novelty. I'm also a novelty seeker. So I, it's, it's very rare that you're going to catch me seeing a band that that performs like this more than once because i saw it you know and i would go to see john carpenter again because i know i'll probably get a few different songs from you know lost themes or there'll be some variation and he can do other themes too but um i would usually you know only hit one of these once but then again i say that and i'm going to see elo again next summer and i know it's going to be the exact same show the songs might be in a different order, but I, I'm going to see the same songs in the same way again, and I can't wait. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we all have that one band that it's like I don't care what the set list is, even if it's the same. Whatever. Again, you know. Yeah, yeah. but uh, yeah, if he if he's playing your way next time it rolls around, I'm 
sure we'll keep you updated on the Facebook page too. Yes, yeah, uh, I highly recommend it. Uh, and, and if you like any of his movie music, um, the CD for the anthology is—it's um, not definitive by any stretch of the imagine, imagination. I think it's got 13 tracks on it, uh, but it's only like 12 bucks. It's definitely worth seeking out. I think you can get it—you di- get it digitally as well. Um, it's a nice little primer if you uh, if you dig any of his themes, you can snap it up and. Um, it's a solid, uh, you know, 45 minutes or so of music. You just throw it in. And it's nice as background music. It's nice if you're driving. I, uh, I was I, listening I, to it before the show, and I was just like, this is, it's beautifully recorded, and it's just, like, punchy as hell. It would yeah. be beautiful in a car just driving. Oh, I've been I've been rocking out to it in, in, in my new car. I, I actually, I, 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 I actually, I love that, this album. I like the lost theme. The lost themes is one I listen to a lot. Like when I'm doing work and stuff, it's it's on a lot of my rotation of like if I'm doing Photoshop work, like the like um the that album, the the Tron Legacy soundtrack, and the Mad Max Fury Road soundtrack. <laughs> very nice. Are, are all very good. Yeah, those are all good movies too. If yes. you like any of these movies or music, you should definitely use the uh, Two True Freaks homepage Amazon link yep. and uh, help us uh, keep the lights on. Yep, for all your uh, John Carpenter mu- music and movies. Or matter. any music, for that matter. Even if it's Justin, <laughs> Justin Bieber. <laughs> There's some people out there that like him. I don't know why the fuck you would, but hey, to each his own. Well, I, I like to post things that people buy through our Amazon and I think it would be hilarious if I got to post Justin Bieber and see the reaction and see who slinks forward goes like it was me <laughs> they would instantly we would single out all our Canadian listeners and be just like was it you <laughs> no they would get in rush and triumph all our and, Canadian uh, listeners and our, our <coughs> girl listeners <laughs> we have a few yeah yeah and we cherish every one of them. <laughs> I know. We need to get a list so we can always name them personally whenever we talk about our female listeners. We can apologize to them. Each individual. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry we alienated you again. But write in and let us know that we alienated you. All right, ladies. <laughs> we'll talk to you later. We got to go, though. It was it was nice seeing you, you, you girls, but eh, Hair Metal Hero and I got stuff to do. Indeed. If you shop at Amazon.com, please consider using the link at 2TrueFreaks.com to shop there. If you use this link to go to Amazon and then you shop, 2TrueFreaks gets a little cut of what you buy and it doesn't cost you anything extra. So you get to shop as usual and help out the 2TrueFreaks at the same time. Visit our website at 2TrueFreaks.com. 2TrueFreaks is always spelled T-W-O. T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email 2TrueFreaks directly at 2TrueFreaks at gmail.com. 2TrueFreaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show too. 
Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two Two True True Freaks. No reason, no uh, conscience, no understanding, and even the most rudimentary sense of life or death, of, of good or evil, right or wrong. I met this six-year-old child with this blank, pale, emotionless face and the blackest eyes, the devil's eyes. I spent eight years trying to reach him and then another seven trying to keep him locked up because I realized that what was living behind that boy's eyes was purely and simply evil.